This is Tom Shrewsbury with Reflections for the Covenant Network. There's no question we are living in precarious times, as far as our souls are concerned. How should we live our lives in today's world? Well, God has given us saints and holy people to show us how, by their example and lives, rather as roadmaps to heaven. Holy people, like a beautiful young woman born over a hundred years ago in Italy, who was given the name of Gemma, which means gem or jewel, and she certainly was, that and much more. Gemma Galgani was born on March 12th in Lucca, a small town near Florence, in 1878. She must have inherited her love of God and the church from her family. Her father was a direct descendant of the founder of the Society for the Propagation of the Faith, St. John Leonard. Well, naturally, much of the family life was centered about the faith, where the children learned and developed an appreciation for the beauty of their church. What a great example for us. Gemma received her first locution at the age of seven, which brings us to ask just what is a locution? Well, a locution, in a poor layman's definition, is hearing a message interiorly that may or may not be audible, but the words of the message are clear, distinct, and as full of impact as if they were spoken by someone directly in front of you. So, at the age of seven, Gemma received her first of a lifetime of locutions. This was a message from the Lord telling her that life would be a series of losses, and for many people, they would resist these losses, not realizing that they can be related to the suffering of Christ, and the acceptance of these losses unite us closer to Christ's love and his sacrifice. A good lesson for us. Gemma's mother was terminally ill with tuberculosis, and while praying at Mass, Gemma heard a voice asking, Will you give me Mama? Gemma was quick to respond, Yes, but provided you take me also. She was told, No, give me unreservedly your mother. For the present, you have to wait with your father. I will take you to heaven later. Wow, what a message. Gemma answered with a positive yes. And on receiving this locution, Gemma accepted the message and was told that as Christ's daughter, he would always be with her as her father, and that his mother, Mary, would also be as her mother. Pretty heavy stuff for a youngster, but Gemma's acceptance was just the beginning of the blessings and suffering that were to come. For Gemma was to be the recipient of heavenly visitors throughout her life, and there is much for us to learn from this little jewel of the faith. After the death of her mother, Gemma was sent to a school run by the Sisters of St. Zeta, where she immediately became a star pupil, excelling in most studies, and won a gold prize for her knowledge of religion. Around the age of nine or ten, as Gemma prepared for her first Holy Communion, she prayed, Give me Jesus, and you will see how good I shall be. 
Give him to me. I so long for him, and I cannot live without him. Again, pretty impressive from such a young child. Before her first communion, she put pen to paper as she wrote down her promises to her Lord, and her thoughts seemed very mature for a child of her age. She wrote, I will receive confession and communion each time as though it were my last. I will visit Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament often, especially when I am afflicted. I will prepare myself for every feast of our Blessed Mother by some mortification, and every evening I will ask my Heavenly Mother's blessing. I want to remain always in the presence of God. And every time the clock strikes, I will repeat three times my Jesus mercy. For us to be able to gain an insight to the actual thoughts in the mind of Gemma Gagani, we are blessed to have her exact words describing her life and thoughts. Let's fast forward for a moment to January of 1900, when Gemma was just 21 years of age. Because of her holiness and the graces that she was receiving, a Father Germanus Ruopolo, a passionist priest who was recognized for his holiness, was appointed to be her spiritual advisor. And you will see why religious authorities believed it wise to have such a holy man attending to the spiritual virtues of this little jewel of the faith. As a sidebar, Father Germanus himself, by his life and spirituality, would be honored after his death by being declared venerable. He recognized the countless blessings received by Gemma and directed her to write them in a diary of her life, explaining them in great detail, which she obediently did. That's why we have so much information. And if you travel to Rome, you can see her diary, which survived the devil's anger in its contents. Gemma was the recipient of many visitors from another world, both heavenly and diabolical. For example, her diary was kept in a bureau drawer, and Gemma reported seeing what appeared to be a demon enter through the window. Because of the many visions, she didn't give this much thought until she later went to get the book. It was gone. All the pages vanished into thin air. Father Germanus was horrified, but recognized how angry the devil must have been because of her spirituality. Yes, the devil. He's often discounted as a fantasy in this 21st century. But take a moment and just look around and you can't miss his handiwork. Well, Father Germanus performed the rite of exorcism and the diary was immediately restored to the bureau, but not quite in the condition it was before. The entire book was charred and smoke damaged as in a fire but not one word was missing. We'll leave it to your imagination where the diary had been taken. Now we'll turn the pages of time back a bit and review some of the events in Gemma's life written and described in her own words. 
She told of her mother's final illness, and she would scarcely leave her side. Her father, fearing Gemma would contract the same illness, sent her to live with her uncle. It was while she was with him that she learned of her mother's death, and a little later she returned home only to be sent to St. Zeta's Institute. She was overcome with a desire to know more about the life of Jesus, and particularly his passion. In her letter to Father Germanus describing her first communion, she wrote, I do not know how to tell what passed between Jesus and me at that moment. Jesus made himself feel very strongly in my body, in my poor soul. I understood at that moment that the delights of heaven are not like those of earth. I felt myself overcome by the desire to render that union with my God continually. What a beautiful thought she gives us. Particularly when so many of us march down the aisle for communion, taking the Eucharist for granted while thinking of today's activities or where we're going for lunch after Mass. Well, she felt also that God was calling her to be a religious, a passionist nun, but that was not to be. At home, Gemma was filled with love for the poor and frequently asked her father for money, and when he gave her a few coins, she would run out and look for someone in need. If he refused the coins, she would take food or other items to give to those having difficulties. Her confessor told her to stop doing these things, and in obedience she complied. But when she would go out and see people in trouble, her inability to help them was so stressful to her that she soon stopped going out at all and lost all desire for fine clothes or things for herself. One of the nuns teaching her could see through her demeanor of a great burning desire to serve God and, and took Gemma into her arms, saying to her, Gemma, what graces Jesus has given you. She later made two more resolutions that would become a part of her daily life. First, she would promise to visit Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament every day and speak to him more with the heart than the tongue. And secondly, that she would try harder to refrain from speaking of indifferent things and speak rather of heavenly blessings. Gemma had a good teacher and one of the nuns who led her along God's path for about six years before her death in 1887. Gemma would write of her teacher, Under her direction, I began to have a desire to pray more. Every evening, as soon as school was out, I would go home and shut myself up in my room and recite the entire rosary on my knees, and, and during the night I would get up for about a quarter of an hour and offer my unworthy soul to Jesus. Her health was always fragile, and at her father's insistence, Gemma was forced to quit school and was taken home. Her father, wanting to cheer her up, lavished gifts on her, and once he even gave her a gold watch and chain. It was beautiful and, and quite a striking gift for a young girl. Gemma proudly put it on and excitedly wore it outside to show her friends this new treasure that had been given her. On her return, 
Gemma had an unusual guest, a frequent visitor. When she returned home and started to take off her showy gift, she saw an angel, whom she recognized as her guardian angel, who spoke gently but firmly, telling her, Remember that the precious jewelry that adorns a spouse of the crucified king can only be thorns and the cross. She wrote that the angel's words made her fear his warning almost as much as his appearance, and thinking about what he told her, she made a vow not to displease Christ by wearing the gold watch ever again. And, in fact, she even took off the ring she was wearing on her finger and never wore it or jewelry ever again. The year was now 1896, and Gemma was approaching her 18th birthday, and she wrote in her book, During this year, I resolved to begin a new life. I do not know what will happen to me during this year, but I abandon myself entirely to you, my God, and all my aspirations and all my affections will be for you. I feel so weak, dear Jesus. But with your help, I hope and resolve to live a different life, that is, a life closer to you. Later in her autobiography, she said she spoke to Jesus directly. She writes, I do not remember the words I spoke, but my angel is here, and he tells me what I said word for word, and it is as follows. I want to follow you, no matter what the cost and pain, and to follow you fervently. No, Jesus, I do not want to continue displeasing you by a tepid life as I have done up to now. Therefore, I resolve to make my prayer more devout and my communion more frequent. Jesus, I want to suffer and to suffer much for you. Prayer will ever be on my lips. Not long after her prayer, she tells of Jesus sending her a pain in her foot that she kept until the pain was so severe it was almost unbearable, and then she spoke of it. A doctor was called, and at first he feared that amputation would be required, and yet Gemma remained indifferent. The removal of her foot was not required, but surgery was needed, and during the actual operation, Gemma claims that she cried loudly in pain, but then, looking at Jesus, she asked him to pardon her folly. She wrote that ever since the death of her mother, she had not experienced one day without suffering something for Jesus. Gemma's health was like a roller coaster, and her physical state began to deteriorate with all types of maladies and afflictions, which she cheerfully accepted as a special gift from God, a gift that would allow her to offer as a special suffering to him. She developed a curvature of the spine, and as if that were not serious enough, she contracted meningitis, which left her partially deaf. Other disabilities and horrors included the emerging of large abscesses forming about her head as her hair started to fall out. Despite the attention and efforts of many doctors, Gemma grew weaker and weaker, 
but stronger in her desire to suffer for Christ as he had suffered for her. During her illness, she would receive visits from her guardian angel, who would come to give her comfort. And Gemma would write, One evening when I was more uncomfortable than usual, I was complaining to Jesus. I asked him why he wanted me to be sick this way. And my guardian angel said to me, If Jesus afflicts you in body, it is always in order to purify your soul. Many of the people in the community would stop in and visit Gemma. One visitor brought her a book on the life of the venerable Gabriel of the Sorrows, a passionist, and urged Gemma to seek his help. In her sickbed, Gemma read about the life of the venerable Gabriel Percent of the Sorrowful Mother. She would write in her book, I grew in admiration of his virtues and his ways. She continued, My devotion to him increased. At night I did not sleep without having his picture under my pillow, and after that I began to see him near me. She would add, I don't know how to explain this, but I felt his presence. At all times and in every action, Brother Gabriel came to mind. Now at the age of 20, it appeared to all that Gemma had suffered as she wished for the Lord, but was now on her deathbed. Little hope was held for a recovery, and a novena for Gabriel's intercession was started. But at midnight on February 23, 1899, she heard something familiar. It was the rattling of rosary beads, and as she looked up, the venerable Gabriel Pacenti was appearing to her. He said to Gemma, Do you wish to recover? Pray with faith every evening to the sacred heart of Jesus. I will come to you until the novena is ended, and we will pray together to his most sacred heart. Blessed Gabriel assured Gemma he would come every evening until the novena was finished, and they would pray to the heart of Jesus together. For nine consecutive nights he came, and every night he placed his hand on her forehead, and they recited the prayers to the Sacred Heart. And the prayers were heard. Gemma was cured. One can only imagine the joy and excitement from everyone around her. Before leaving her, Jesus said, To the grace that has been given you this morning, there will be added many more greater ones. Her guardian angel appeared to her many times, preparing her for what was to come. Gemma was not happy when she could not receive the body of Christ every day, and the days passed and Holy Week approached. On Holy Thursday evening, Gemma started to make a holy hour. She alternated between weeping for sins and praying, and she felt suddenly that her strength was leaving and found herself before the crucified Christ, covered with blood. She heard his voice say, Behold these wounds. They have been opened for your sins, but they have been closed by your sorrow. Do not offend me any more. Love me as I have loved you. That may have been a message for Gemma, but it is also a message for you and me. Do not offend me any more. 
Her greatest gift was to come on the 8th of June after receiving communion. She returned home, and as she prayed, suddenly there before her was the Blessed Mother, looking lovingly at this blessed child, and then she spoke, My son, Jesus, loves thee beyond measure and wishes to give thee a grace. I will be a mother to thee. The mother of God opened her mantle and covered Gemma within its folds. As she did this, Jesus appeared again with all his wounds open, but from these wounds no blood was flowing, and instead of blood there were flames. Gemma described what happened next. In an instant, these flames came to touch my hands, my feet, and my heart. I felt as if I were dying, and I should have fallen to the ground, but my mother, the Virgin Mary, held me up, while all the time I was protected in the folds of her mantle. She kissed my forehead and vanished. I felt great pain in my hands and my feet and my heart. Gemma had received the stigmata, the wounds of Christ on her hands, her feet, and her side. She had purchased this glorious gift from God by her prayers and with the suffering she endured without complaint, feeling that her pain was nothing compared to what Christ had endured for her. Gemma, in her short life, received many visits from Jesus, Mary, her guardian angel, as well as vicious assaults from the devil. But like St. Francis of Assisi and Padre Pio, Gemma was able to fearlessly say, Let no man harm me, for I bear the marks of the Lord Jesus on my body. In 1902, Gemma offered herself to God as a victim for souls. Before her death at the age of just 25 years, Gemma uttered, I seek nothing more. I have made the sacrifice of everything. Now I prepare to die. Jesus, I recommend my poor soul to thee. And she left the pain of this world for the treasure. From her life, she left us with examples for us to follow, such as the love of personal prayer and the explicit joy in communicating directly with God, not just on Sundays, but every single day. She left us with a hunger to take part in the sacraments of daily Mass and frequent confession. She would have been less grace-filled by missing either. She caught a closeness and familiarity with our crucified Lord, our Blessed Mother, as well as God's angels and saints, who are just a prayer away. She spoke with them as we speak to one another, and most importantly, to suffer cheerfully for what God sends us, because that brings us so much closer to the crucified Christ, which opens the gates of heaven. Gemma's spiritual advisor, Father Germanus, is quoted as saying, I don't believe Gemma ever committed even a venial sin. He wrote about her last suffering illness. He tells how she was graced by heavenly ecstasies as well as diabolical attacks in which she was repeatedly tormented by Satan, and then the Lord would come and console her. 
In the last weeks of her life, she was almost completely unable to eat and was only able to consume minute amounts of liquids. She was described as wasting away to little more than skin and bones, and she was losing the ability to see. While being attended by nuns of the Passionist Order, she heard one speak of her suffering. It's more than she can bear. Gemma overheard her and muttered, I can bear a little more. Four or five days before her death, a strange phenomenon occurred. Although wasted away in body, she became almost too heavy to lift. It often required several strong men to move her. Perhaps she too was was carrying the sins of the world. Her only consolation was the Eucharist. For a while, Father Germanus tells us, Gemma seemed to feel abandoned, probably much the same as Christ on Calvary when he said, Father, why have you forsaken me? But then Gemma began to smile and spoke. Now it is indeed true, nothing remains in me, Jesus. Jesus, I recommend my poor soul to you. She quietly spoke again, and her last words were, in monastuus, into your hands, and then she left the world. While she was never able to achieve her goal to be a passionist nun, one of the sisters saw to it that she was buried in the habit of a passionist sister. At her funeral, the presiding priest said of Gemma Galgani, she winged her flight to heaven on Holy Saturday, the 11th of April, 1903. And looking at her casket, he added, Live thou with angels, holy soul, and pray for us. Gemma was beatified by Pope Pius XI in 1933 and canonized a saint by Pope Pius Twelfth on May 2, 1940. Father Germanus later said of Gemma, Though she kept her eyes downcast most of the time, she was exquisite to behold. She was totally detached from earthly things and kept her mind and heart totally focused on God. Her life was an example to us all. Saint Gemma Calgani, a beautiful jewel in the garden of God, pray for us. This is Tom Shrewsbury with Reflections for the Covenant Network.